Uh, hey, we are, we're starting a new series today that we're calling Happy. You got a little postcard in the bulletin that you received when you walked in, and I just want to encourage you to use that uh, to invite somebody to come to join us over the course of this series than the people that I'm thankful for and remember a partnership with. And so, Paul, because you're, you can control your attitude in 100% of the circumstances you find yourself in, and because your focus will determine to some level your quotient of happiness, Paul goes, listen, as I'm in jail, I just want to pray and remember the church at Philippi, and they had this unbelievable partnership in the gospel, and I saw Jesus proclaimed as king, and when I remember them, my heart is just filled with joy. See, that type of focus starts to tip the scales of our life. And so I think what Paul would say is, listen, if you want to live happy in the Lord, um, partner with purpose and with vulnerability. He's looking back on a church who the scriptures would say supported him financially. That's all over the book of Philippians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. That even out of, their, out of their need, they still gave to him as he's in jail. They, they partnered with him financially. They partnered with him in a heart level vulnerability. You read through this first part of this letter and Paul says, listen, I make every prayer of mine with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. God is my witness of how much, how much affection I have for you. See, what Paul's doing is he's putting his life and his heart and his emotion on the line. He's making himself vulnerable, linking hearts, linking arms with the people of Philippi, saying we're better together for the proclamation of the gospel than we are alone. Do you have people like that in your life? See, I fear what's happened in the... Western American church, at least the one that, that sort of that I, I observe, is we have life groups, and life groups are really important. I, I absolutely love that we have life groups. We need to have life groups. But I think part of the reason we need to have life groups, and we do, is because we've lost sight of the mission that we have together. See, because here's the deal. In the scriptures, mission begets community. We're in this together, and as we journey together, we are going to be bound together. You ever been on a like, sports team like that? A, maybe it's like a marching band. You're like, you're in, we are in this together. We have a goal together, and the goal is what unites us. We're not united and then find a goal. And so part of losing the mission that Jesus is king, that he reigns, that that needs to be our goal and our declaration means we need to sort of build in a way to find community when I think if we found mission, we'd innately find community. There's a difference between friendship and partnership. A friendship you can have with people who you share time with and share interests with. Partnership is with people you share mission with and share suffering with. Those two things unite people quicker than anything I've ever seen. I saw groups of people who had no clue who the others were at the beginning of a backpacking trip be a family at the end of it because they suffered together. You go to the early church and they're going, listen, our mission is 
paramount. It's paramount. And that's what Paul's talking about. I mean, listen, he goes, I hold you in my heart. I feel so strongly about you because we're partakers of grace, grace through my imprisonment and defense and confirmation of the gospel. We were in this together. We were in this together. And he says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's just going, my soul and my heart are just so intertwined with yours. And it gives him joy. Even in jail, he thinks back on those people and it's like, man, their partnership brings me great joy. Um, Do you have people you can think of like that? Do you have people in your life who you go, oh man, Lord, thank you for them. What a joy to partner for the sake of Jesus. Here's how he continues. He says, and I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What a joy for Paul to be sitting in jail, to be confined, and to know that God is not. That's great, isn't it? That he's going, listen, I am confined by this jail, but I know that God isn't. And I think so many of us live less than happy because of the reality that we think our salvation is up to us. And it's up to our work, and it's up to our accomplishments, and our good deeds, or our good teaching, or our good obedience, or our good response, and what Paul goes is, oh, oh, garbage. Your salvation was started by God, and your salvation is carried by God. And that's enough for him to say, I will rest securely God, in your divine provision for me. Friends, what God starts, God finishes. That's what Paul's saying. In 1882, there was an artist by the name of Antonio Guadi. And he started this church in 1882. It was called, in Spanish, it was called El Templo de la Sagrada Familia, the Church of the Holy Family in Barcelona. Antonio worked on this church for 40 years, gave his life to it, slept in it, breathed in the dust, and gave his best creative work to creating an architectural masterpiece that reflected the glory of the gospel that was preached inside of this place. Worked on it for 40 years, went on a little walk, got hit by a tram, died two days later, unable to finish it. I read that story this week and thought, I'm glad God isn't going to get hit by a tram anytime soon. I'm glad his hands aren't tied. I'm glad that he's committed to finishing what he begins. Will you look up at me for a second? He's committed to that not just in the lives of the Philippians, but in your life. He's with you. He's for you. He's holding on. Paul continues from there. Run out of time, but here I just gotta I just gotta say two things about that. One is because that's true, friends, you can live with extreme, unadulterated, crazy confidence in God. He is not 
going to let you go. And the second thing that's true is because of that reality, the best is yet to come. He's carrying you. He's doing what he said he would do, and he will carry you to the finish line. The author of Hebrews echoes the same thing. We looked at Jesus, who's the the founder, the beginner, the starter, and the perfecter, the carrier, the finisher of our faith. He continues, Paul does. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, verse 7, because I hold you in my heart, for you are partakers with me of grace. You are partakers with me of grace. Literally, um, you have with me, alongside of me, in relationship with me, we have both tasted the goodness of God in a way that transforms our every single step. So he goes, listen, I can be happy in jail because I focus on and remember the people that are still going and carrying on the gospel. I can be happy in jail because I know God finishes what he started and I can be happy even behind bars because I partake confidently in God's lavish grace. This is the story we find ourselves in, friends. And if we don't view this as a real circumstance of our life, then it won't make a real impact on our everyday. You are the beloved of the Lord if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the one who went off and squandered it all and came running back, walking back to the Father. And the Father came before you had a chance to recite the I'm sorry prayer you had in your mouth. The Father met you along the road, carried you home, put a ring on your finger, a robe on your back, threw a party for you because he was so glad that you were home. You're a partaker of grace. And if you're a partaker of grace, can I encourage you to train your heart to partake of grace? To remember that you are the redeemed, that you are the beloved. I have this picture in my office, not an original, um, but, but a print of Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal, painted in 1668. It's in my office, and it's on the wall that people can see when they sit on my couch and we talk or counsel or whatever, because I want them to remember this is who you are. And if that's true, if that's true, and it is, if that's true of us, friends, along with the church at Philippi, you are saints. He said it in verse one, holy ones, people who've been called out of darkness into light that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. You are no longer, your identity is no longer sinners. You, along with the crazy messed up Philippian church, are saints made holy. Second thing that's true, if that's true, is that we get the chance to personally and experientially taste and see that God is good. I just want to push you for a second to say, is that something that you're doing? My hope is that you don't just come in and hear a message and sing some songs on a Sunday, but that the entirety of your life starts to be captured in the tsunami of God's grace. It's not just something we hear about. It's something we get to experience on a daily basis. 
And if we're partakers of grace, look up at me for a second. Some of you need to hear this. Guilt and shame have no place in your life other than to be used by the enemy to tilt the scales back. Guilt and shame have no place in the life of the follower of Jesus. He's died for it all 2,000 years ago, and his joy is yours. Amen. Amen. One person likes that, and that's great. Okay, we're going to land the plane. Verse 9. Verse 9. And just so you know, you can thank me later. I condensed four messages into one, so you're welcome. Verse 9. And my prayer... So he's going to pray again from jail. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more. In the Greek, it's this word that's like, that it may surpass, that it may overflow, that it may be just ridiculously above and beyond. Your love would be like that. More and more so that you would approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. He says, finally, all right, all right. So you can have joy in the midst of any circumstance. One, because you have partners who you've linked hearts and arms with for the sake of the gospel. Praise the Lord. You have a God you can rest securely in because he promises to finish what he started. His faithfulness will not be derailed by your failure. You can live with joy because you get to taste on a daily basis that God's grace is real, that it's good, that it's now, and that it changes your day every day forth, he says. You can live with joy because you have this clear pathway to living the life that God designed you to live. So you want something to do out of all this? You're going, hey, Paulson, give me some handles. What do I do? If you want to live with joy, live in the way of love. That's what Paul would say. Whoops. Drum roll, and it's not there. Wonderful. Embrace the calling, friends. Embrace the calling to love extravagantly, to love extravagantly. A.W. Tozer, Tozer said, the people of God ought to be the happiest people in all the wide world. People should come constantly asking the source of our joy and our delight. Does that describe you? You're going, listen, I don't know. Like, I've got a lot going on in my life, and it's been a hard season, and, and I understand that, and there's space for that, that oftentimes the happiness and joy of the gospel is mixed with the reality of some really difficult and painful things that we walk through in life, but it's mixed. It's not absent. And I just want to encourage you to push in to what Paul has found, the secret. He goes, listen, listen, listen. What the world gives in the form of grief and in the form of pain and the form of hurt cannot outweigh the source of our happiness and our joy because that is distinctly married to and linked to what Jesus has done for us 2,000 years ago. And friends, Where the gospel is 
prominent. Happiness is imminent. So I want to encourage you. Learn to preach yourself the gospel. We're going to move into a time of celebrating God's grace and God's goodness to us through baptism. And so... And we have uh, at least one person in this service who's being baptized, but we may have more that want to be baptized. So if you're a follower of Christ and you've never made that decision to follow him into baptism, I want to encourage you and say, today's your day. Um, we've tried to take out all the excuses that you could make. So if you're like, hey, I don't have any clothes to change into, we, we have um, shorts and robes and all sorts of great looking stuff for you to have. If you're like, hey, my hair just ain't going to look good after that, um, we have a hair dryer um, and we've got, we had makeup. Somebody, one of you stole it. But um, <laughs> so if that's the hang up, somebody needs to repent. But, um, <laughs> But I just want to say to you, we're going to celebrate here in a moment, lives redeemed by the grace of God. And my hope is that it's an infusion of joy to your soul. I'm going to invite you, we're going to pray. If you're getting baptized or thinking about getting baptized, you can sneak out right now during uh, this prayer. And then we're going to celebrate, sing one song as they get ready and celebrate together. Let's pray. Let's pray. So good Father, we stand amazed at the provision that you have made for us and over our lives. Our desire, uh, we're wired for it. You made us, you designed us to live in your joy. And so Lord, because it's our design, would you help it be our reality? In Jesus, may the gospel grow more and more prominent in our lives. And then may the lives that we live reflect the joy that is ours in you. Lord, I pray over the people in this room that maybe there's people they've linked hearts and arms with that, that bring them great joy. Would you, would you give them time this week to reflect and pray through that? Remind us today that you never let go that your grace is sufficient, that it's near, that we can taste and see your goodness. And then, Father, out of an overflow of that, may we walk in the way that you've designed us to live, abounding in love. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.